I would be careful, even though, you know, you have these companies saying that, hey, you know, we're going fully remote for the rest of the year and we're thinking about going remote for, you know, moving forward. Yes, from a real estate cost perspective, it makes a lot of sense, but it could turn around pretty quickly. Um, and they could change their mind and say, you know, actually we're gonna continue being based in the Bay. We've got, you know, 30 year leases on these places. They're not going away. It's not like these companies are gonna default on their real estate, by the way. They've secured these real estate these real estate deals for 30 plus years. Today, we are talking to Eric Kostelnik, the founder and CEO of Postal.io, a Californian based marketing and sales organization. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, where we interview leaders from across the industry and bring you a little bit of tech news. Welcome to today's show. I'm joined by Keish, who's discovered the north of England. <laughs> I, I knew you'd say something like that. London or abroad? London or abroad, mate, where I, I saw the, the fresh air and... Yeah, the high hills of, of the Lake, uh, yeah, of the Lake District, really. Um, but we, we had this conversation. I thought, well, I've been to Manchester. And you're like, that's not really north of England, though, is it? Well, the thing is, when I when I when I got married, I I joked with my wife that I'd never envisaged marrying someone from the south. Mm, yeah. Because when you from when you're from the northeast or the Lake District, Manchester does feel a long way south. Yeah, no, it does. And it's the big city. It's the big smoke, mate. <laughs> but that's good and uh yeah and and people recognize that you're from from the south straight away um oh yeah you know you, you, they they open up with not a, a, they open up with a friendly hello hi but it's like from london are you and it's like yeah 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 i am <laughs> um but yeah it's, it's all good the, the, the fact that they were still accepting cash in some places uh oh dear you know, the, yeah exactly and i was like i was like oh do, do you have contact with so like this is not London, mate. And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, Very, it's cool. a beautiful place. It is a beautiful place. My dad's from the Lake District. My mom and dad are only about half an hour away from it. So. Really? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And for anyone that's not gone or, or planning on it, good staycation for uh, for the times that we're in. So yeah. Yeah, and I, I love that your Instagram feed genuinely, you know, right down to the tunes that you chose to go... <laughs> Going across Windermere or whatever with Robert Schultz waves or whatever. I'm like, mate, it's not a beater. Listen, it was it was my Ibiza. Look, the beauty is I made it look like Ibiza. Didn't have to go to Ibiza. Didn't have to stay at home for 14 days after coming back. So Yeah, there is that. There is that. I was joking around at the weekend because he kind of go on on Facebook and Instagram and stuff at the minute. And we've got loads of friends who've got like beaches in Wales and stuff. They look amazing. Mm, but mm. you also remember that it's the Irish Sea and it's bloody brassic. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, Never it's mind. good. It's good. People discovering the UK. All Absolutely. For it. Absolutely. Mate, I'm very glad that you had a good time and discovered that Northern England's <laughs> definitely worth worth checking out. <laughs> uh, from from the west coast of, of England to the west coast of the USA. Uh, today's guest is Eric, founder and CEO of Postal.io. We're talking all about their sales and marketing platform automation for sales and marketing. So we'll dive right into that interview and then we'll come back with some commentary. So today I'm joined by Eric. Eric, you're the CEO and founder of Postal.io and based out in uh, on, on the west coast of the US. You're just in California, right? I don't want to kind of get this horribly wrong and say which city you're outside of. So I'll, I'll let you kind of make sure that, that 
you correct me first. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, uh, David. We are in San Luis Obispo, which happens to be in between Los Angeles and the Bay Area on the Central Coast. Right. Um, so I spent uh, I spent you know the last fifteen years in the Bay Area, you know, building businesses there, and eventually we wanted to move down here and and build the next one in in San Luis Obispo, where it's uh, you know beautiful wine country, beach and mountains, and everything California has to offer. We're not going to get off on a good foot if you start telling me that you're in beautiful wine country and have mountains and beaches. I mean, yeah. how does it make a guy jealous? Well, hey, man, come come visit. We're, we're, we're open for business right now or slowly getting open for business uh, as, yeah, we, yeah. as the, we start to reopen. So, Anyway, look, your, your business, Postal.io, before we dive into anything, do you just want to give us a quick introduction to, to who Postal.io are? Yeah. So Postal.io is, is uh, the latest venture that we started in uh, August of 2019. Um, this business is everything to do with creating uh, meaningful connections with your customers in the offline world. So generating leads, increasing customer retention, um, and increasing your sales numbers by engaging with folks through direct mail, swag, donations, uh, and really creating the platform and the technology uh, to, to orchestrate all of those things that happen now without wanting to put i suppose phrase this right because obviously the times yep. that we're going through are are awful on so many different levels yep. but there are businesses that have seen growth due yep. to opportunity and i would imagine right now that that your offering is very attractive to some businesses where maybe some of their traditional marketing routes are, are not working they're having to rethink how they go about things right yeah david it's obviously a really challenging time and uh in starting a business as an entrepreneur you can't plan on pandemics right so when we started the business in in august of last year in 2019 we we were able to raise capital very quickly so we raised a nine million dollar round from a venture capital in in the bay area called the mayfield fund which was behind Marketo very early days and uh, Outreach uh, IO, which is now a unicorn for sales and enablement up in Seattle. Uh, and so they were they knew everything to do with uh, about marketing automation and sales automation. And uh, when we started the business and started building and started you know getting ready to introduce the product to market, it just had the the COVID uh, pandemic had just started, and so. You know, as as uh, as an entrepreneur, you know, obviously you you have to be um, agile when it comes to all the things that happen around you. But you know, we never could have planned on the situation, and the original value proposition that we had is still the same value proposition that we have today, uh, and that is that we believe that. Now, in B2B sales and marketing processes that you need to be able to engage people through these offline assets and you're, you need to have a platform to be able to send those in a, an effective and an automated fashion. And now that handshakes are gone and conferences are gone and you know business travel is, is almost non-existent, mar marketing budgets are not going away. Yeah, maybe they're not spending as much as they did in the past, but there's a tremendous amount of resources out there right now for companies wanting to do things differently and engage with their customers in a more realistic and personal way. And Postal is absolutely perfectly positioned uh, to to be the technology of choice uh, to to make those things happen. So I think it's it's a very weird opportunistic thing, but the reality is is we haven't changed our business at all. It's just the world has changed around us. Out of interest, has it been 
the the customers that you expected to see come to you have come to you in in a in a greater or in a more meaningful way i suppose i, I suppose at the heart of it i'm kind of wondering mm-hmm. if, do you, do yeah. you see what what's going on as as a change or just an acceleration and expansion of, of trends that were already there? Or have you seen customers that you never expected to come knocking at your door going, hang on a minute, we, we need help? Yeah. So originally the total addressable market that we identified was 42 million people within the United States could leverage, I'm sorry, 42 million people worldwide could leverage our product. Okay, so right. 42 million uh, people that are addressable market, uh, which is your sales and marketers um, that would be you know, using uh, engagement in the, the B2B side of things. So those that were you know, using either HubSpot or Marketo or, or Salesforce or uh, Outreach or SalesLoft or all these systems that you have in when you're uh, basically you know, implementing the sales and marketing process. So our addressable market has not changed. Um, ca- candidly, our addressable market might have contracted a bit, you know, because you have people that are uh, going out of work and businesses that are going to be going under. Mm. But that still is a massive uh, market opportunity. And so, when you think about like when you launch a business, you know, generally what you need to do is you identify your your target personas and your target industries. And we have been very focused on uh, generating opportunity within the technology space. So software, hard, hardware, data infrastructure, companies that have been in the technology space or are currently in the technology space. And that's one sector that hasn't really been dramatically impacted by COVID. You know, companies are still spending on technology uh, and infrastructure. And so um, with that being said, We've seen a uh, a lift in our in our you know our launch. So we've been active for about seventy five days uh, in in market, and I can't really say it's been more or less of what my expectations were because we, you know, candidly, like when you start a company, you don't really know what the resonance is going to be and how people mm-hmm. are going to you know. Um, be attracted to your brand or your offering or your value proposition or whatever else. So um, long way, long, long and short of it is I, I don't know if it, if it has helped or, uh, or, or not helped. I know that the business is doing very well um, and we're, and we're, we're seeing a new customer every single day. So that being said, it, yeah, that's currently where we, where we stand. Out of interest that you, you, you've been an entrepreneur uh, who started a number of businesses. I think you said before we hit record that it, this is your fourth business, right? Yeah. So this will be my second that I, I founded personally. And then I, I was a part of a founding the founding team on two others before. Yeah. Where growth is concerned, you said there that, you know, 75 days uh, since the lift of your launch and you're never yep. exactly how sure how it's going to, to be taken by the market. But yep. have you had to potentially grow quicker than you expected that 9 million that you got from Mayfield I suppose yeah. you probably thought well that's going to last us you know you, you plan it's going to last us a certain period of time you're looking at yep. it going hang on hang on a bit we're, we're having to take on more people we're having to grow we're having to we've got more customers coming in acquisitions going well we might have to go back and raise again sooner than we expected or, or it's changing your plans that's that's a very good question um okay so <laughs> this current uh uh, this current market condition is unprecedented. Okay, mm. so when we just take away, you know, everything to do with postal, if you look at the current market condition um, and 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 your ability to assess the risk of of the future of this the state of of the market, 
it is close to impossible to understand what is going to happen in the next six months due to the like just the unknowing of what COVID is now and what it's going to be and the exposure that the United States has, the increased exposure. Well, like literally in the UK, you know, you're saying much different strategy of attacking the, the challenges of the virus than we've implemented here in the States and it's drastically affecting us. Now, we don't know what the long-term impact is. I know the banks just came out today and, and provided downward guidance uh, because of the defaulting of loans that are happening. Increased vacancies um, are we're seeing on a monthly basis now with people defaulting on their on the rent payments. Like it, it, it potentially could put us into a pretty tremendous recession um, that is going to be very quick um, over the next six months. And we don't know how deep that recession is going to be. So that being said, there's all these macroeconomic things that are happening. Um, and then there's microeconomic things that are happening within these industries that you know you can adjust for. So first off, as a as when you have capital, you know, you are beholden to your shareholders and your venture capital to ensure that you are spending the money in a correct way based on what you're assessing in the market. We've assessed that like we we don't want to overspend, we do not want to overhire at this point although we are seeing traction due to the the risk profile that we see in the market right now. And so we've been very calculated in in the way that we structured the product where we don't need a tremendous amount of sales resources for for companies to come in and use the product. So you can come in and use the product right from the website. So unlike a lot of enterprise software companies that have you know structured themselves around outbound sales or ensuring that they have like an SDR plan that you know gets people into this into the sales cycle. We want to take people right into the product and have them using and have more like a Slack or a Google model than you know say say uh, you know something that takes more time to to go through that process. And that should help us with our ability to scale without like having to add a tremendous amount of resources. That was a very like kind of heady. Oh no, but it's concept, interesting. But yeah, yeah, right. Because yeah. what I'm trying to drive out here is is you know we're talking to organizations who are growing by 20, 30, 40% over the last three, four months. Sure. In a yep. way that they hadn't quite expected. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that, that that comment that you make there about you don't want to overspend, you have been through this a number of times. You've been a successful entrepreneur. Lessons for entrepreneurs right now, you know, like you said, this is unprecedented times. You yep. have experience to fall back on, but this is still wholly new and quite tricky to navigate. So I yep. suppose understanding the choices that you're making right now based on the experiences that you've had and trying Correct. to apply that to that market is really quite interesting. This will be my, yeah, the, sorry for interrupting. This will be my third recession. Okay. So, mm -hmm. you know, I came into the job market in 2001. Um, you know, I lived and worked through the 2008 uh, recession and now this will be the third recession. So I know how these work um, and it business does not stop. And, you know, I, potentially could have had the hardest jobs ever during each one of the recessions. I was a finance guy coming out of college during 2001. In 2008, I was selling job postings during that second recession. And then this recession, you know, I've got a sales and marketing you know, product that we're taking to market when, you know, arguably you know, we're going to be in a, in a, in a, in a, a world that is going to be spending less. Uh, so those things there, you can draw the conclusions of, of like, you know, of what I learned uh, in both those two first recessions I was through. But I think that with this one, you don't know how long it's going to be or how short it's going to be based on the way that this virus acts. And, uh, and that's why it's so scary, because you just don't know. You just don't know. 
You're based in the Bay Area. How big is the organization at the moment? On, on LinkedIn, it talks about 28, 28 employees, but you're never entirely sure how accurate LinkedIn is. On that, no, on that we, we have about 30 now. Yeah. So, cool. so we're, we're, we're at 30 and, um, and yeah, and when we've hired, uh, we, we overhired in engineering because we knew that this was uh, going to be an important technical build. And that there were a lot of technical challenges when you try to bring all offline engagement, everything that people send in business and, and create a marketplace of of those those vendors and those assets and those integration partners that you integration integration with. And then the actual you know technical um, uh, uh, value proposition that the, the product actually does in the automation and triggers and drip marketing, all the stuff that goes into it, you have to make sure you over-engineer and over-hire on the engineering side of things. And then as you build that product, you try to build a product-led organization that actually, you know, the product is is the first thing that people want to engage with. And then you bring the sales and marketing to execute. Prior to the situation that we all find ourselves in, were you mainly office-based or (laughs) was your team quite flexible? Yeah. So, Really interesting, you know, building uh, the last three businesses in the Bay Area, um, we, you know, over the last three years, I kind of had this, this thought in my mind that, you know, that the the rent payments and the way that people are living and the traffic and the parking and the cost of, you know, to buy a home was just not sustainable within the Bay Area, nor was it sustainable down in LA. And you're starting to see San Diego go that way as well. And so we made a conscious effort, you know, as my, my family to to move to the Central Coast because we believe we believe number one that this would be a more, you know, a more uh, balanced life in the in the Central Coast. But we also could attract people from LA and San Francisco because we're only two and a half hours away from LA, only two and a half hours from San Francisco. And this is a college town. Uh, Cal Poly University is here. So um, we made the conscious effort of doing that and we built our business here and we did have an office or do currently have an office. Um, But we knew that 50% of our workforce was going to be remote. So when we started the business, we said, okay, you know, 50% of our business is going to be remote and we want to go find the best engineers all over the world. Um, to build this product and they don't necessarily have to be in-house. So we do want our sales and marketing and service team and product team to be in-house because sales and marketers operate in a different way. Um, We are creatures of habit. We are social creatures and um, generally we're very competitive. And so you (laughs) need to ensure that you build sales teams in pods. And so we've created our first pod of sales here and it will create pods, uh, you know, all over the, all over the world. Um, as we start to move forward. But uh, but yeah, that's how we structure it from a human capital perspective. No, it's just interesting because I, I was reading an article on The Verge talking about you know, big tech in particular, but you know, Google's response to this, Facebook's response to this, based in Bay, and and, and people, engineers working for those organi- organizations going, I've moved to Delaware and I haven't told my boss. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of just this interesting dynamic at the minute where some of those organizations seem to be fighting it. Some of it seem to be accepting it. But at the same time, it almost feels like engineers in the market are just going to do what they think is right for them. I think it is. Um, it's it's really interesting because, you know, if you look at the human capital strategy, you know, you're either going to be in a job seeker market or an employer market. Okay. So job seeker markets are during bull markets. <laughs> employer markets are during recessions. So, you know, you have to understand where you're at. And I would say that we're teetering right now in between uh, that, that, that break where it's, it, you know, it's always, it's been a job seeker market 
for over the last you know, 10 years since the, the last recession. And it's been an incredible job seeker market. I mean, there has been generational wealth that's been created over these last 10 years in this job seeker market. As we start to shift into this, this company or employer market, the, the recruiting for these people is going to be easier on the companies and they're going to be able to demand different things from these, these people. So I would be careful, even though, you know, you have these companies saying that, Hey, you know, we're going fully remote for the rest of the year. And we're thinking about going remote for, you know, moving forward. Yes. From a real estate cost perspective, it makes a lot of sense, but it could turn around pretty quickly. Um, and they could change their mind and say, you know, actually, we're going to continue being based in the Bay. We've got, you know, 30-year leases on these places. They're not going away. It's not like these companies are going to default on their real estate, by the way. They've secured mm-hmm. these real estate these real estate deals for 30-plus years, some even longer. So that is not going away, and they're not going to have that as a sunk cost. So I would just be careful, you know, if, if you work for one of these big tech companies to and like of of like just moving anywhere like make sure you're having the conversation with your boss and make sure long term like if you lose your job that they're that that you have eyes on what your potential future employers are doing as well because it's not about just today it's about what happens in the next 10 15 years i should i should maybe stop looking at lisbon and and bologna no Uh (laughs) (laughs) no i mean i think it's a great idea i did it you know but also i'm an entrepreneur i'm a different situation like i started a business here and like you know so but but it's but you know you just gotta you gotta make sure you understand where your where your opportunities in the futures are yeah. Look, Eric, if, if someone is interested in in kind of exploring their sales and marketing strategy, and they 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 think that Postal.io might be an organization that could help them, what's the best way of finding out a bit more? Yeah, just just come to our site, uh, Postal.io, and and uh, request a trial, or you know, come and and take a look at our resources. We've got a great um, a great section that will educate you on how our 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 clients are using, you know, swag and direct mail and uh, and donations to create better connections with their customers, and they're doing it through our platform and getting all the tracking and budget management and all that fun stuff. So um, come learn about how other companies are doing it, and then you know, on LinkedIn, we're we're fairly active, so you'll see us on on social quite a bit perfect look i really appreciate your time um i know it's the middle of the morning for you so probably looking forward to lunch and then a busy afternoon ahead so i do appreciate you giving up some time to talk to us and uh, i hope the business continues to go well thanks dave appreciate it right there's um there's quite a few different well there's quite a few different points that we could raise from this um i think the first one to that, that jumped out to me is you can't plan for a pandemic mm-hmm. they'd raise their money you know they have to be you know they know that they have to be an agile business but effectively their proposition is still the same marketing budgets aren't going to go away um but there's an appetite to do things differently right now and actually that plays into their hands so i thought it was a really positive message to say that their business hasn't changed the world has and that presents an opportunity and and i quite like that because i sometimes think that we're we're kind of talking about businesses at the minute and talking about how businesses have to change mm. and businesses need to be a bit more flexible about how they conduct their affairs but actually it's it's the world that's changed and maybe the business doesn't need to change quite as radically as we we might think yeah i think uh, the the other good point i think he mentioned is he's himself being in a senior position has been through three different recessions in the u.s alone right um Mm. and well you know recessions that obviously the, the 2008 affected um yeah affected everyone really um in the world but I think the fact that 
they've not had to change as a business that their product offering still stays the same yet everything else has been a whirlwind over the last four or five months um means that they can just i guess go about their normal day-to-day and 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 kind of what they plan for the business but also at the same time getting new customers and getting new markets i think you mentioned that it's actually been quite a busy time and they've they've you know kind of had more people or more customers than they actually would have imagined when they started with the funding so uh, i think uh, yeah businesses like 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 postal definitely need to be at the forefront of this and just i guess give people a bit of confidence and entrepreneurs a bit of confidence to say look if you started a business this year or or back in the last year or within the last few years you don't necessarily have to change everything just because the big organizations are saying oh we're all changing and we're all doing this carry on doing your stuff and and see you know where it kind of lands um that's, that's what that's what I would say. Um, yeah, I, I think you made some interesting points around you know the the ability to be able to scale without having to add extra resources. I suppose tallied with that idea that he he talked about the fact that they'd overhired an engineering. Mm. You know, they know that they're creating an offline engagement platform. They know that 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 offline engagement um, profile and platform is going to create technical challenges. So they'd already overhired mm. in the engineering area to overcome some of that issue so i suppose they've now got the resources in in house like you said to be able to scale without adding extra resources and without deviating too much from the plans that they'd already had in place and i suppose that's where the experience of having gone through several recessions and, and being a serial entrepreneur really comes into its own yeah and, and i think i think it's almost like a you know you're, you're already anticipating plans b c d within your plan a you know by by kind of adding and bolstering that kind of engineering team knowing that there will be a time where you know the money might be tight the budgets might be tight uh you know whatever the landscape might be in the market but if you've already got that resource you can then use it um and i think businesses especially now where we're seeing businesses you know uh face a well you know employers uh, giving employees the kind of risk of redundancy and Jobs being cut. I think the US is again, you know, for for the second month in a row, um, got some record figures on unemployment. Um, you know, thing businesses like Postal, where they've already got people that, you know, can now be given more work and more added responsibility and more kind of, I guess, roles within the business. That helps people's livelihood and. Mm we've talked about it on the podcast before the last few weeks or the last few months really where that human nature needs to come back from organizations and people. Right. And, and yeah. I think that they, they've probably done really well to keep hold of, you know, the, the, the kind of talent and especially within engineering. We, we know what the market's like with engineering. It's highly competitive. There's a lot of new products, a lot of new technologies and, you know, very good engineers will be taken by another, another firm and housed very quickly. And you're not just competing with with companies on your doorstep. You're competing Mm. with companies on the other side of the country, maybe even the other side of the planet now, given the way that the organizations are moving. 100%. Because the thing is, people talk about language barriers and that sort of thing, right? But with engineers, they've got their own language. They've got their own technical language that they speak. So that's the same in the US, the UK, to India, to Hong Kong. They work wherever they want. Um, I'd love to be one of those, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I can't, can't, can't pull that language off, unfortunately. No, um, absolutely not. I can barely speak English. Um, what about, though, the flip side of that? 
you know, it's, we have been speaking very positively about businesses being very flexible. You know, um, if we think back to our episode with Luminance um, that we published on Friday, um, might not have been Friday. No, that that was uh, Shah. So it was a week ago. Yeah, yeah, with with Jason from Luminance, and he said, you know, within legal, they'd pass the point of no return. Um, yet at the same time, Eric is here saying. Don't discount the fact that whilst lots of big tech businesses are saying one thing at the minute, they could change their mind very quickly uh, and they will probably not want to write off 30 years worth of of leased debt um, and investment. Mm. I think that's quite interesting. In a world where we're talking about workers increasingly having more fluidity, increasingly having more opportunity, and I do think that is a trend that we're going to see across the vast majority of business, but it might not be quite so uh, entrenched already after four or five months of, of pandemic as we might might be talking about. Mm, I think I don't know. It, it, it's a it's a tough one. I, I definitely agree with him. Um, where you know, don't expect wholesale changes, so to speak. Um, but I do think that organisations will. Uh, there, there, there needs to be a, a payoff, right? Then there's there's that part of fluidity and stuff, but they're still they're still there to generate X amount of revenue. They're still there to, in in a large part of organisations, have to satisfy the board, have to satisfy the, the shareholders, um, and given the, the kind of situation that everyone is in, I think there'll be more pressure if you do have to answer to these, you know, kind of board members or shareholders and 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 that's why organizations can't just be completely you know go into that kind of frenzy mode of yeah you know we're going to give this we're going to do that we're going to change everything that makes us work because you know don't forget a lot of people are adverse to change as well and and Mm. and and we hear that we see it all the time so it's a it's a very telling well it's a very telling time for, for i think management and leadership really um because I, I was reading something uh over the weekend and it basically just said how you know you're you're kind of this for business leaders will be the hardest time you know where the the revenues might be getting better the the the, the customers might be pouring in through the doors but the organization will not be doing well which you know you you, you kind of on the face of it you think Oh bloody hell! Right, you know, you're making more money, you're getting more customers. Why wouldn't you be doing well? But it's because of all the other factors, and this is what I think the entrepreneurs, the founders, the co-founders, the CEOs will need to, you know, kind of champion with their business and get things moving forward in in the right direction. Um, yeah, with with, with the right kind of values at heart. Tricky times still ahead. Hundred percent. Akish, thanks for your time. Um, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're actually going to play a short interview with Neil from Finastra, who is a partner for Boycott Your Bed. You'll see that despite this having been recorded on Friday, it's already aged very badly because I don't think, given the government's announcements, that I'm going to be going to Alicante anytime soon. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Aside from that, some really positive messages here around uh, Boycott Your Bed, which is a fundraising effort we're, we're getting behind as well. Um, so that's playing straight after this quick break. So uh, now we're joined by Neil Blagden. Neil, 
Um, you are, let me make sure I get this right, although sometimes LinkedIn can be a bit misleading, but uh, Chief Customer Officer at Finastra. But you're primarily talking to us today because of Boycott Your Bed, which is coming up um, on the 21st. Make sure I get this right. The 21st of August, right? That's correct. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, you, you got the name right and the title right. So, yeah, brilliant. And uh, yeah, no, has not deceived me. No, that's no, true. It's, it, it's, it's always, uh, it always depends on the individual and how they and what they write, I suppose, as well. But uh, no, you're absolutely right. So I look after pretty much everything customer facing here at, uh, at Finastro, one of our sort of uh, one of the world's largest fintechs as well. But um, yeah, more importantly, uh, Boycott Your Bed is, is what I'm here to talk to uh, today and, uh, and the piece that we're uh, wanting to play in that and uh, just really sort of bring it to everybody's attention. So what's first of all what's your what's your involvement with boycott your bed yeah, no, we've uh, we've signed up to be uh, to be a partner, and uh, we're we're representing one of our uh, sort of corporate charities, so Action for Children here in the UK, uh, and we are looking to run what we call a sort of a super event, not only across the UK but across our other uh, teams and people around our sort of global footprint, and uh, ultimately get them to boycott their bed for the night, raise money for charity, and, and ultimately raise awareness as well. So uh, yeah, we're excited to be part of it, and uh, I'm looking forward to to sleeping outdoors. Let's say. So have you um have you previously been involved in um bite night or or I assume probably yes if you are a partner uh yes uh, well me personally no I, I'm fully aware of it but uh, I'm I'm very new to Finastra so what six weeks in now so uh, uh, obviously and it's a, it's a software led sort of uh, initiative yeah. and so on but I've um, always heard extremely positive press so as soon as uh, I was uh, asked internally would you would you pick up the the sponsor role and partake and I said absolutely uh, no 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 second questions at all so uh, yeah delighted to be involved and as you've alluded to there, it's supporting action for children. So it's supporting the most vulnerable young people who are unfortunately homeless or sofa surfing. I think people kind of tend to think of homeless and they tend to forget that there's that there's that kind of hidden homeless aspect to it as well. But supporting those individuals. Uh, you mentioned there that you're going to spend the night outdoors. Have you have you selected a spot? Is it is it camping in the garden? Is it what have, what have you got planned? No, no, great question. Um, we're, um, we're actually on. Uh, we're actually taking a vacation in these crazy times with uh, with the family, so we're actually going to be in Scotland. Uh, but we've actually hired an RV for the uh, for a couple of weeks and just touring around the, the beautiful highlands of Scotland. So what we're doing is I've already agreed with my three uh, children, three boys. Uh, what are they? Thirteen through seven. To uh, we're just going to sleep out under the stars that night. Just get the sleeping bag out on the beach and uh, uh, and hopefully it's not raining. If it's raining, then we'll we'll have to reassess and <laughs> probably sleep under an umbrella. But uh, but. Uh, no, uh, the boys are excited, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I, the more unusual, the better in my case, I think. And, uh, Where, whereabouts in Scotland? Uh, well, we're, we're touring everywhere. We start in Edinburgh, and we're, we're going around all up uh, along the, the northern coast, through the Highlands, and then down through to Loch Ness, Loch Lomond, and so on. So, I think when we're doing this, I think we'll be somewhere on the northern coast uh, on the 21st. So, yeah, somewhere on the beach up there, which would be great. I mean. Not to put too fine a point there, I think you're being wildly optimistic. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, no, Scotland, Scotland in August. Um, I'm, I'm going to remain optimistic, but uh, we'll, we'll, t- we'll take the tent just in case. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be, uh, hopefully we'll be all right. See, I feel like an utter fraud because I'm doing it, um, but our plans have changed slightly, and I think that we are spending that week with my uh, parents-in-law, who we haven't seen for several months. We are risking a, a trip out to Spain. Um, so there's a very good chance that my night outside will be in something like 20-odd degrees heat in Alicante, which doesn't sound like it's going to be a hardship at all, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not playing the violin for you, I can tell you that. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, if, if it's that temperature, you probably guarantee the weather, so we can, we can guarantee you'll be sleeping outside. So, yeah, so no, that's great. 
On a more serious note, I mean, Finastra, uh, you mentioned there that it's quite a big effort. How many how many people have you got sleeping out? Well, we're, 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 we're targeting north of 250 here in the UK, and we're, we're hopeful we can double that with our global workforce as well and try and get some of the other locations. Obviously, time zones, uh, given we work uh, all around the world, will, will be a bit tricky, but we're, we're hoping to uh, to sign up uh, more. And to be honest, we've, we, we were going large internally with uh, – uh, sort of helping uh, sort of advertise the the night, and uh, obviously we're giving people the option of either joining us in the in the great sort of boycott your bed, or uh, obviously contribute through uh, uh, you know some money to charity as well, which is mm-hmm. equally as uh, obviously good. So uh, hopefully we'll get more, but um, yeah, that's certainly our target number at the moment. No, I think it's amazing. Uh, I mean, having I've 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 done bite night for a number of years, and obviously it's 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 a UK event, and this opportunity to make it so accessible to people in so many different locations and re- make it truly global is fantastic yeah no absolutely no i can completely couldn't agree more i think it's you know I've, I've looked at it for the last four five six years and seen it working really well and just the the positive press it gets and that's the good thing which is all about awareness is uh, uh, is great so hopefully uh, i think they've been extremely innovative with this uh, uh, change through the covid times and uh, you never know this will probably catch on as well why wouldn't we do both as well so uh, yeah. yeah absolutely well look um Best of luck. I do sincerely hope that you have. I mean, Scotland's beautiful. I mean, out on a beach in Scotland, it could be absolutely spellbinding. So I, I, I hope it's a fantastic night for you and your family. Um, and good luck to Finestra as a whole. Obviously, it's a, a brilliant cause, and we'll make sure that there are uh, links. We'll, we'll include a link to the Finestra. Uh, fundraising page uh if you have a team page for the event we do yes no we're uh oh. yeah just giving page being uh, set up so uh yeah we'd be delighted that, to have that as, as well that'd be brilliant that'll Thank be you. in the show notes so people can support you specifically but also look if, if you're interested in boycott your bed uh it's boycottyourbed.co.uk very easy to sign up as we've suggested there you you can be anywhere in the world and take part um yeah, all you need to do is forsake your own bed for one night and you will be helping many vulnerable young people who who really are in need of that support but um look neil thank you very much for your time no absolute pleasure thank you for having me on and uh, obviously yeah enjoy your enjoy your night out in alicante <laughs> it doesn't sound so bad to me <laughs> i should shut up because i won't get any money apart from my friends and family anyway yeah. uh, have a good weekend yeah you too take care bye-bye